Welcome to the Women Who Lead podcast, a place where we celebrate, connect, and develop every woman in her leadership journey. Thanks for coming along. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Women Who Lead podcast, and I'm Lisa Potter, your host today. And um, this is just a place where we like to celebrate women. Um, We like to resource you in your calling and um, just say, hey, come and listen for a while. Um, I'm excited today because I have my good friend here with us, uh, Noemi Chavez from L.A., And um, Noemi and I met uh, several years ago. Now we were doing a cohort together with Alicia Britt Sholee, her leadership intensive, and we hit it off. She's a West Coast girl. I'm an East Coast girl. But hey, who knew we had so much in common? (laughs) And so I'm excited. She's going to be here talking about all things leadership. But Noemi and her husband, Joshua, are the lead pastors at Revive Church. It's a multi-site church in the greater Los Angeles area. Um, she's an international conference speaker, co-founder of Brave Global. Oh, man, she just has so many things that she does. She has two teenage boys, two boys, young adult boys getting to that place. And so, um, yeah, Noemi, welcome. Welcome to the Women Who Lead podcast. Thank you, Lisa. I'm so happy to be with you. Oh. I love seeing your. I love being t- in any space that I get to be with you. For me, it gives me life. <laughs> Same here, my friend. Um, you give me life for sure. Well, hey, I hit on a few things that you do, but what did I miss? Tell me a little bit about you and your family and what you love. And yeah, well, you know, I think. Um, as a family, we love uh, cooking and eating, and we're big foodies in our home. And it's fun to be a foodie in LA um, because there's always great <laughs> places to eat. But Josh and I took on a lot of cooking during the beautiful years of the pandemic. <laughs> and we learned how to cook things that we feel we can do better than some restaurants. So it's been a fun ju- culinary journey in our family. So uh, that's probably one of the things that we do that gives us life here in, in our home. And um, both Josh and I have always had a really special place in our hearts for people who are not only leading the church, but people who are crazy enough to church plant. And, and we both church planted um, over 15 years ago and um, seeing people say yes to God and starting new churches has been a, a joy for us to cheer on and to observe. So we've always loved having relationship with church planters. And a couple of years ago, my husband started working with this organization called Stadia. And so he does some of their coaching for church planters there. And um, I actually started uh, an organization from an organization called Exponential, decided we want to reach the Hispanic or the Spanish speaking community, the Latinos in the United States with new church plants. So uh, a little over a year ago, I we started this organization, Exponential Español, and I'm mm. chair of the board for that. So it's been a beautiful journey just to see pastors throughout the U.S. responding to the call of God to plant churches that are reaching um, the first-generation Latinos who are still coming into our country. And so oh. they need Jesus, and we need churches. So there's yeah. you know, there's quite a few things that my heart gets excited about. Um, but leading in the church at large and seeing what God is doing is definitely um, a, a point of, of deep joy for me. 
Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I love the fact that you have Exponential Espanol and just thinking about those first generation, um, you know, Spanish speaking, like coming into our country and everything. And we here on the East Coast in our network have churches that we are being very intentional about planting in the Spanish community, the Latino community. And I just feel like I found my people, Noemi. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You have. You have. You absolutely have. You know, what's funny is my parents both came to the United States um, when they were very young. And um, they got married in Mexico. And my father came to the States first. And then he arranged all the paperwork, my mom, to come through. And and just a few years and a half later, after they got married, she moved to the States. But um, they came here to find the opportunity for a better life. Mm-hmm. They came here um, to grow, to succeed, to build their future, to build their family. And they ended up finding more than a better life. They ended up finding the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. And my mom came to faith um, here in L.A. And it revolutionized our family, the legacy of our homes, the legacy of um how she and my dad led, even in our homes. My dad would not come to faith for many years after. But the gospel affects the culture of a home. And yes. so my mom, being a woman who could affect through her prayer and her faithfulness the atmosphere of our home, it shaped the faith in all of my siblings and I. And, and, and all of them come to my church. I won't say that they're all like no. on-fire Christians who serve and volunteer. My sister does. But my two brothers, they come to church. Their kids come to church. And there's a faith element in their life. And I, and I think we owe it to the fact that my mom came to know Christ here. And so mm-hmm. I always say we, as Latinos, come to the U.S. to find the land of milk and honey. Um, but what we actually do find is the land that's going to require us to work a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, to have sometimes multiple jobs. And that's not necessarily the land of milk and honey. But if you find the message of Jesus... And the message of hope, um, that is what helps keep families together and help keep mm-hmm. families strong. So, yeah, like it's it's been a beautiful journey to see the message of Jesus going into communities within our, our cities and within our states. And pastors who say, I feel called to bring the hope of Christ um, oh. to the Spanish-speaking community. Yeah, I love that. I love it. Um we didn't know what we were going to talk about today. We were just kind of like, because you and I can have great conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we're like gymnasts. We're like gymnasts. We're, you don't even know where we're going to land, but we're going to land this thing. <laughs> we're going to land it. But I really want to hit on that a little bit, Noemi, because, um, you know, you have a pulse on this that I don't have. And um, as a white girl, you know, I just want to know. I want to know, like, what can the church do? What can I do? I, I had the opportunity to speak a few weeks ago at our Latino fellowship. We had a um, women's day on a Saturday. The room was packed full. And I just got up and shared my heart as they were interpreting, you know, the interpretation they were come, they were saying what I was saying. And I, I just was like, we're in this together and I want to be in this with you. Help me you know, know how to cheer you on. Um, so when we do the Roar Conference, it's really important for us to have a track for our Latino women to come and feel celebrated. It's not like 
oh, we happen to have this track, but we want to get better at it being where they know like the front of the card is English and the back of the card is, you know, Spanish speak. And so that they know like this is for us, just like it is our English speaking white girls, it's, you know, and yeah, <laughs> like we're a part of this, but what can we do to be better at including and just becoming one family like heaven's going to look like? Yeah. You know, sometimes I think we, these conversations could make it more complicated than it needs to be. I think it's so mm-hmm. much more simpler um, than than having to strategically figure it out. Sometimes it means simply listening and mm-hmm. um, hearing the stories. And I think that I, sometimes what we think when we're going to listen to somebody is that we're going to listen to complaints. Oh, I have to listen to you and listen to all the things that I'm doing wrong. No, I would actually like to listen to the stories of faith in your journey Mm -hmm. and what that means in your heritage and what that means, what family and culture and Christ looks like for you. Um, I really Mm -hmm. believe that this country as a whole would have so much to learn of what being at the table with the Latino family looks like the richness of caring for one another, Mm -hmm. um, the richness of sometimes not having the boundaries to protect ourselves in order not to care for others. We, we actually will care for people beyond what we're supposed to care yeah. and love family beyond what others might love, you know, and, and care and, and sustain and find ways to keep the family together at all costs because family matters so much. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm wondering if at, at the crux of our faith and culture, this nation as a whole would learn about the beauty of the Latino culture and how mm-hmm. we um, have no problem being long suffering have no problem having long suffering uh, circumstances in life with people who are going through hard things and loving each other through that. Um, And it's not that we're creating like this codependent situation, but it's about loving and accepting Mm -hmm. and forgiving and keeping families together. Mm -hmm. And we've had to do it for years. And, And the stories that you'll hear of immigrant families coming into this nation and finding the ways to, to grow and stay together. There's a lot that takes place that really builds up the spiritual DNA of a person when you have mm-hmm. to come into a place that's foreign. Where So the stories that are in those individuals are worthy of highlighting because there's so many miracles that are taking place, right? Yeah. So some of these miracles would make our faith be reignited for what mm-hmm. God is able to do. Um, so many stories of people you know, mm-hmm. what it meant for them either to cross the border or to be here or to find a job or to find a place to live and to have little ones. And how do you figure it out when you don't even know the language, the amount of courage that it takes and the amount of faith that it takes to yeah. um, live that out, I think would help awaken the faith of people who are having a hard time trusting God with the issues that they're facing, whatever that might be. Yeah. And so, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, but it's not just hearing the word of God, it's hearing the word of God being lived out by somebody. And so I think that some of the best ways you, we can serve is to highlight the stories mm-hmm. of what God has done in people's lives, the miracles. The miracles for some of our Latino community is, um, I'll tell you a really funny story. My mom had to, um, when she was p- applying to get her, her citizenship, she was so nervous about the fact that she would have to not only answer questions, but then they would have her write a sentence in English. 
Okay, so literally, this is my mom freaking out because she's a woman of prayer. She has studied all these questions and she's memorized all the things that most Americans never have to think about. All of the legislation of the United States and all of these government things that most Americans don't even know about. You have to study when you're an immigrant. To, I would say a good portion of this country never has to have the conversations about cabinet and how many people are in a cabinet and how many people are senators and no. we don't know these numbers, right? So no. here's my mom in her like 50s um, having to learn these answers. And then she has to write an uh, she has to write a sentence in English. So the day before she goes in to take the test and to be interviewed, she um, she tells my sister, I don't even know how to write in Spanish really well. My parents have a third and fourth grade education right. from Mexico. She's like, I don't even know how to write that well in Spanish. How am I going to write in English? So she <laughs> tells my sister, just write on a piece of paper. Just write, I love my husband for me. Let me see. <laughs> and so... The thing was that when you go in for the interview, they tell you the sentence that you have to write. Okay? Oh. So it's not like you could just get to write a sentence. They're going to give you a sentence that you have to sound out and write it. And she goes in for the interview. She takes the test. She answers the mm -hmm. questions. And then when she's in the interview space, space, the gentleman tells her, okay, I need you to write this sentence. And my mom's sitting there like, okay, like, I don't even know how, phonetically, how does this even work, right? Right. Um, she says, he says, I want you to write down for me, I love my husband. Wow. And like, if you don't see the hand of God and the faithfulness of yes. God in that, that is a miracle of God. Yes. And she just was like, is he serious? So she sat and she wrote it down. Wrote it out. And so these are things where like, that makes me believe God. You know, I do mm -hmm. my part and I trust God for the things that I don't have control over. And I trust that he's with me in that space. Yes. I know that the spirit of God was with her in that room. Mm -hmm. She was not alone. And so I think it's highlighting some of these miraculous stories of how God is answering um, the prayers of people who are navigating circumstances that look different from ours, even from mine. Mm -hmm. I, my yeah. life is very different than my mom was, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's powerful, powerful, Noemi, because I love stories anyways. I love hearing people's stories. I think our stories connect us, you know, uh, when mm -hmm. when we start to, to ask questions and learn more about one another, our stories connect us. And one of the things I notice is, you know, the language barrier is hard often for me because I want to have a deeper relationship, but they're struggling with their English. I don't know Spanish. And I keep saying in my spare time, it's like, I'm, I'm going to do, you know, one of those, uh, what do you call them the, that you can order and just like teach myself Spanish. I had three years of French and I do see similarities to that. But one of the ladies at this uh, uh, Saturday event that I was speaking at for the Latinos she got up and she was sharing and they were interpreting for her. Um, but she was sharing how her daughter was pregnant and she um, had just gotten word that several things physically were wrong with her. And the women just began to pray over her and pray over her. And so 
I felt like going to her and saying, my daughter's pregnant too. So I grabbed the girl that was with her who interpreted and I said, tell her my daughter's pregnant too. And so she, she told her, and as soon as she told her, she just hugged me. We hugged oh. each other. And I said, um, tell her I'm going to pray for her daughter every day. And she told her, and then we hugged again, you know, and I was like, there's such community in, um, we may be different culturally, we may be struggling with different things, we may have, um, you know, just areas where there's a disconnect, because I can't understand, like, your mom needing to go and learning all of these things and the nervousness she felt. But Hearing her story makes me love her even more, you mm-hmm. know, and but even when we have differences, our stories connect us. Me yep. just finding that finding that one similar thing to say to that mama who's praying for her girl, who's pregnant with a girl. I was able to say, mine's having a girl, you know, and let's we'll pray. And she just her whole countenance just changed. And yep. so we we have to be able to not allow language to be a barrier for us because right. a hug speaks, right? More than oh, words yeah. can speak. hundred percent. Yeah. I share some of these stories about my mom at church all the time in my messages. And um, yeah. she shows up for our Spanish service because right after our English is our Spanish service. And you have no idea how many times people will come up to her like strangers, right? They know she's <laughs> my mom. And they'll be... Um, they'll come up to her and say, can, can I just give you a hug? Yeah. And they want to hug her because they want like, they feel like, like her faith and her love is going to rub off on them. So they're like, yes. can I just give you a hug? Like for my sake, not because they're pitying or feeling sorry for her, but they're like, can yeah. I give you a hug? Cause I feel like I'm going to receive something. And you're right. Like this, I, this beautiful space of um, physical touch and coming mm-hmm. into the commonality of life and struggle and pain um, helps us to see each other past the language barrier. And it doesn't mean that everybody has to learn Spanish and it doesn't mean that everybody has to learn English. My parents have been in this country for over 50 years and neither one of them speaks very good English. Um, But they find ways to communicate love to other people who don't speak the language. That's right. And there's ways to the warmth in our eyes and how we look Mm -hmm. at one another and how we're able to, to share with one another. Now I think that there is a value. There's a lot of, young women leaders who are even younger than I am who possibly are in your space who are bilingual who bring that unity to both worlds you know Mm -hmm. and who love the kingdom of God with the Anglo community and who love the work of God in the Latino community and they are the ones who have to carry the tension of both and find ways to bring together the body of Christ Mm -hmm. Um, because it's powerful witness to the world it really is yes I think that it is a powerful witness when we do this well um, the world is able to say, wow, like these Christians actually do care for mm-hmm. one another. And it's not just the Latino community. I mean, you have so many other nationalities within the body of Christ that mm-hmm. finding ways to to hi- not only highlight the stories, but learn from one another and appreciate one another and champion. Because um, mm-hmm. I'm not expecting you to plant a church in the Latino community, but I want to equip you to do it. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So yeah. I want to equip those young leaders who say, I want to shepherd and lead the the immigrant community who's who have come here or the undocumented community who have come here and don't speak the language, but we need to shepherd them. 
And so what are we doing? There's a bigger kingdom picture in this, right? That yes. helps us to, to love one another and to celebrate. Yeah. Celebrate the victories, the miracles, celebrate the wins. And mm-hmm. I guess at the, at the, at the end of the day, we all, we all know what pain looks like. Mm-hmm. We all know like what suffering looks like. It may look different, but it feels the same inside. Right. Mm-hmm. So if we can, I think in some ways say, I don't have to understand all your pain, but I know what pain looks like and it's not fun. And so that matters to me already. That's something yeah. that is not comprehensible to me is painful to you because it's a part of your story that I don't know. Once it matters, then, then all of a sudden it's, I'm going to meet you at the level of pain because I've known a God who in the middle of our pain is the God who heals, who comforts, mm-hmm. who's present, right? Who's, who cares? Yes. So yeah, for sure. I think, and I think it's beautiful. I think having the intentionality of creating those bridges is important. Mm-hmm. The fact that um, you would have come into those spaces and, um, and even for me getting to be at Roar this year as a Latina woman leader, for me, there's a value in that for your, yeah. for the Anglo women and for um, the Latino women. I am the product of both worlds shaping my faith. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that, that speaks volumes of, of you as a leader, but it also will speak volumes to the women you lead and to, the Hispanic population that, that will be present. Yeah. Yeah. And we're excited to have you for sure. I love what you were saying about how, because I was, I was thinking about it as you were talking about how Jesus, you know, came to this world to be the great uniter, you know, basically Mm -hmm. the love of God unites us that um, the differences, we celebrate the differences, but the love of God that unites us and, I'm so aware that we are in a, and I'm just going to bring it up. We're in such a political hotbed right now where um, uh, news is given to us 24-7. You know, I often say to people, and I won't say who they are, but people in my life will say, did you see this on Facebook or did you see this? And I'm like, those are algorithms. (laughs) You know, and I try to have this whole conversation about algorithms and how they're just feeding you more information to bait you on what they think you already believe, whether it's a left view, a right view, a middle of the road view, however that is. And I get really sad, Noemi, that um, we believe the lie of the media. We believe the lie of the politics. Um that immigrants are coming into the country, you know, for these reasons. And it's like, but if I needed a better life for my family, I would want to come here too. I would want to build a better life. I would want to build a better future. And if I had a way to do that, I would do it with all my might. And we're here on the East coast in Washington, DC, um, and we have many of our churches are are highly diverse. Mm-hmm. Most of our churches are diverse. One of our churches on the Beltway has 126 nationalities represented. One of our churches has 82 nationalities represented. And those are the two highest ones. But we are planting Latino churches right and left. I was just at a dinner last night um, that's about our whole neighborhood. 
And um, the church planting video that we showed was all of our Latino pastors that have been planting churches in this area. Um, We have to unify on the words of Jesus as Christians because we're losing we're losing generations that are coming. I mean, 100 percent, Lisa, think about the fact that before the pandemic. 1.2 million young people were leaving the church Mm. before the pandemic. What does it look like after all of the infection in the heart of the church came out during the pandemic? Young people who were heartbroken by the church's response and how angry the church was and how messy and how politically divided she was. Like, this was not the hope of the world. Mm-mm. The picture that came out from the church of people who decided to weave their politics into their faith, um, it made our faith lose its credibility. Yeah. I mean, Jesus calls us to go and pray for the sick. He calls us to preach the gospel. He calls us to reach the lost. He doesn't mm-hmm. call us to build Rome. And um, unfortunately, when the church decides to align itself to a political view and decides to be owned by a political view, then the gospel is no longer the, the, the driving force, mm-hmm. the gospel, the message of the gospel. And so, yeah, I think that it's, it's unfortunate. Um, the church has a lot of work to do, and she's beautiful. She and, is and, beautiful. And, and, and I think that the church of Jesus Christ is still God's plan A, right? The, the church of Jesus Christ is still God's plan A to reach the lost. So I, I imagine that... Um, for this generation, they are dis- yes. disappointed. We we had never heard um, the word deconstruct <laughs> until after the pandemic, right? So if we had never heard those words before, th- there's something that young people are observing. So y- you could never deconstruct the gospel, but you could deconstruct leadership and unhealthy systems, and I welcome that. Because whatever's going to get in the way of this message reaching the next generation, I, I don't even want to know the numbers of how many young people are leaving the church after the mess of 2020. Because if I was young and intelligent, I would have been like, what is going on here? Like, yes. do I want to walk with these people? When some of these leaders came out and said the things that they said and posted the stuff that they did, mm-hmm. it would have rocked my faith to the core. I've been walking with Jesus long enough to know that my devotion is not to man or to a political party, but it is to Christ. And mm-hmm. um, this kingdom is way larger than this nation. This yes. kingdom crosses boundaries, right? It's so much yeah. bigger. And so I'm a part of a much larger kingdom than um, mm-hmm. this small country. It's a small country when it comes to the numbers of the nation of God's people. And exactly. so my devotion is to that. My devotion is to the assignment that God has placed on my life. Also, as a Christian leader, I have people in my church who are Republicans and Democrats and who are undocumented and who are, um, you know, independent, all of it. Mm-hmm. My job is, I'm not Esther in the Bible, but I have Esther's in my church. I have yeah. people who are in the marketplace who I shepherd. And I have, I have Esther's and Joseph's in my church. And my job is to equip them to do the work of the kingdom in their assignment. Mm-hmm. And so their assignment is affecting communities. And so some of them are on the right side of it. Some of them are on the left side. My job is to shepherd them as leaders so that they are creating an impact in their circles of influence. I'm not in government. 
If that's a job, that's the job I choose to do. If I decide that I'm going to be a politician, then I need to go back to school and get my degree in that. My job is to bring the light of Jesus into the darkness and to shepherd people, disciple them so that they do that in the places where I can't go and where I'm not. (laughs) And so I think that this whole uproar of politics in the church has affected our credibility. It's divided the body of Christ. Um, And I think that that is the most painful part of it is to see Christians against each other. Yes. Because the, at the, at the root of how we will be known is by how we love one another. Mm -hmm. And so for both parties, it's not about how much you love people who are different from you. It's not about how much you love even the unborn child. It's not about how much you love the immigrant. It's about how you love your blood-bought brother or sister. And when that becomes a a witness, then all the issues that we have to face, we face together. And I stand with my brothers who fight against, um, um, whether it's the ones who stand against, you know, one issue that's biblical and the ones who stand against another issue, whether it's for the unborn or whether it's for abortion, or whether it's for um, the immigrant, or whether it's for a community that we don't fully understand, whether it's for the LGBTQ, whatever letters exist. Like, all of a sudden, the things that seem to be a threat to Christians, the gospel is so much more powerful than these issues. And if we were to actually unite and cross Mm -hmm. all of the political views, our witness and love for one another would actually be a part of the answer for communities that are hurting and that feel marginalized and that are being pushed away from the, by, from the gospel because there's nothing in this world as dark as it becomes that will ever be a threat to the message of Jesus or to mm-hmm. his bride. There's nothing that's a threat to us. Um, things are supposed to get worse just in case people don't know that. Yeah. It's supposed to get darker. And where we're, we're sin is great. Grace is greater. Amen. And so the mercy and the grace of God is going to give us the wisdom and the power Mm -hmm. and the anointing to love people into salvation. And so it's, I, for me, that becomes a liberating place to live in. It's not my life. It's not my job to have to go to war, um, with the nation. It's my Mm -hmm. job to go to war and into enemy territory to gain souls. Mm-hmm. And if going to war with the nation is getting in the way of me reaching souls, then there's a problem in my agenda here. I have friends who are posting things that were so politically charged who are pastors, and I called them out. I didn't just like frown yeah. upon them and I was like, gross, like what the heck are you doing, man? Like I'm so annoyed and disappointed in you. I was like, no, if you're my friend, we're having a conversation about this. I said, clearly yeah. you're just leading people who think just like you, or do you feel that God is calling you? He was a Latino leader who was posting some things that for me were really heartbreaking. And I said, do you realize that most of the Latino community cares for the immigrant population and you're posting things that are politically charged um, for a party that is so conservative that doesn't even see the needs of this community and you're shepherding a Latino speaking community. Like I decided I'm going to have this conversation with you because there are Latino leaders who care about communities, who care about the immigrant, who are highly educated and who are impacting um, the world in powerful ways, who don't know Jesus, but they will not come to your church because they won't trust your heart or your leadership because you're so politically charged to the right that it seems like you don't even see them. Yeah. And I said, so I had the conversation. So I think that too many times we could write, and this is because I love my brother. 
So I had the conversation. Mm -hmm. I could have just been upset and written him off and just put a wall between he and I. But I said, no, no, no. I I believe you're better than this, brother. I told him, you are better than this. And your voice, the enemy wants to corner it and he wants to just put it to one lane. And God's saying there's an entire road, the highway available of people who you can impact with the gospel if you stop and listen to what you're saying. And whatever in your political charged message gets in the way of somebody who is far from Jesus, God tells us clearly how to deal with those kinds of conversations, right? He takes very seriously the fact that you would be a stumbling block to somebody walking with him. That's right. What if the church actually said, whatever I post, if it's going to get in the way of somebody coming closer to Jesus, Jesus says that it would be better for me to tie um, like a rope with a rock tied and throw myself into the ocean. Because he says, if you're going to get in the way of this message, um, actually effectively transforming somebody's life, then you need to know that this is not your assignment. And so I feel very strongly that we are called to elevate the gospel above all of those things and to walk people and to walk with people from all walks of life and to believe that the gospel is powerful enough. That's right. That's right. It is powerful enough. Yes. And it's, and it is, you know, I had someone say to me, um, well, you're just all love, love and grace, grace. And I was like, no, I'm Jesus love. I'm like, you know, because if we're going to say that, that nice little song, we all learned Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so, um, Jesus loves me, but Jesus loves all of his creation, Yeah, you know? And, um, that's different colors. That's different nationalities. That's um, more than America. I'll tell you, this is a small piece of the pie right here. Yeah. We need to get a worldview. We need to get a view of how people are um, struggling on the other side. You know, Frank was, uh, we were able to go a few months ago to Slovakia and he, and he was able to go to the Ukraine border that borders Slovakia. And he said, um, He's seen poverty before, but he has never seen poverty helping desperation. Mm. And that's the way he put it. He said poverty at that border was helping desperation. Wow. And that's not an American gospel that's preached. And we have to get outside to see that there are needs out there that Jesus doesn't just love me. He loves and he loves big and he loves, his love is strong and stretching across the aisle, walking down through your neighborhood and having dinner or lunch with your Muslim neighbor or, Mm -hmm your Latino neighbor, whether they're documented or undocumented, your job is to show the love of Jesus. And I think about that conversation that he had with the Pharisees where they said, what's the most important law? And he was like, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind, soul. And, but there's a second one. They were like, Oh, you know, what is that? And he was like, love your neighbor as yourself. And when you do this, you fulfill the love of Christ. You know, what's interesting is people will say, you, you, you just want us to be love, love, love and grace. Mm-hmm. And Jesus was the <laughs> love, only time love, he love. was, yeah, when, when the only time he was not love, love and grace 
was with his followers and with yeah. the Pharisees. So the he had the hard community. conversations with people who claimed to follow him or who were trying to follow him. Yeah. All the other people that he were lost, that were broken, that were sick, he was all love and grace for them. And so I think it's interesting when Christian leaders want to have hard conversations with the sin of the world without any relational equity and no following of Christ. So why would we want to implement our faith values on people who have no relationship with God? So, yes, he's all grace and all love for those who are lost. Once you enter relationship, then he begins to reshape what your life looks like through relationship with other believers, right? That's what discipleship is. But discipleship is not telling people you ought to live like a Christian when they are not Christ's followers. That's that's kind of ridiculous. It's hard enough for real Christians to be to, to live a life that is honoring to God. And we want to put these um, biblical principles for living on a country or on an entire landmark. Like you need to act like Jesus and believe. No, following Christ requires daily death. Following Jesus means I die to myself to follow you. And we want to ask people who don't even know Christ or have a relationship with him to die to themselves. You know, it's, it's, mm. it's a whole conversation, Lisa. And I'm just, yeah. I'm grateful that, that the church um, is still included in, in this beautiful journey of faith that we're invited to. And that as leaders, we get to reimagine what the future looks like. And we have to be willing to make the hard calls to make sure that the gospel gets into the darkest places of our world. That's right. Yeah. Wow. No, Amy, I just love having conversations like this with you, my friend. And uh, thank you for just everything you've said here today. And uh, love, 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 grace, grace, grace. I don't know how else to do it. And if you're listening today and you're, you know, this has hit home for you. Jesus was love, 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 grace, grace, grace. And the people he was hardest on were the Pharisees and the com religious community. And so I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to be looking down and thinking I've arrived and I have it all right. And I pray more than you. Um, I want to walk like Jesus walked. Um, I have a bracelet that I wear that says sisterhood, and it reminds me that I'm part of this greater community of women. But, you know, in the middle of the pandemic and the way that I saw some of the church, not everyone in the church responding, right. part of the church, um, I was like, let's bring back those WWJD bracelets. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody needs to put one of those, what would Jesus do bracelets on? And before yes. you speak, before you post, before you, you need to ask yourself, what would Jesus do? Yeah. And um, live by that. And Jesus yes. would say, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you mm -hmm. can walk in those two ways and walk mm -hmm. humbly before your God, you're going to be okay, right? <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. So let's that's get your, that part right. <laughs> let's get that part right. Now, Amy, how can people stay connected with you? I know you do Brave Global and um, Exponential Espanol, but what about social media, things like that? Yeah, um, just on Instagram would be Noemi Chavez LBC and um, Revive Church. If you want to look up, it's our, yeah. our handle is at, is, is at Life at Revive. So, Ooh, okay. yeah, check us out and see Brave Global also on, on Instagram and Facebook. 
you can see us there yeah. and check out what we're doing. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, what's one last thing you would leave with us today, our listeners? Yeah, I think that um, if we remember that the greatest gift we ever received was to get to follow Jesus mm -hmm. and removing all the obstacles that could have ever kept us from following Christ and knowing that the invitation still stands even to those who you would feel are most unlikely followers of Christ. He's reaching for them. His reckless love is breaking down walls for them to receive the goodness. Let's not build those walls up. Let's mm -hmm. actually help tear down every boundary, every obstacle that would get in the way of anyone coming to Jesus. Like, let's pave the way for the gospel to enter. Um, we get to be a part of that story, and it is the greatest privilege. So just be encouraged yeah. in that obedience to God. Aww. Thank you, my friend. You've heard it here. The greatest gift we have is Jesus and his invitation stands. I love that to the most reckless people out there. He, his invitation still stands. And so um, I'm with you, Naomi. I'm believing that the church of Jesus Christ will rise stronger, better, purer than we've ever been before in a humble state. Mm -hmm. um, an invitation of whosoever will may come and here's the Jesus I serve and watch how he does and brings goodness to and breaks those who need chains to be set free and bondage. So I love that. Well, Hey, thanks for listening um, to our podcast today here at women who lead and um, give no, no Amy a follow. Um, uh, she's easy to find on social media and she posts some great stuff so give her a follow and cheer her on um, God bless you all have a great day